Well, good. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody again. Um, why don't you look at somebody and say Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. Why don't you do that? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. How many of you, you're like me, this is like your most favoritest time of the year ever? Anybody a big Christmas nut? Wonderful time. All right, who's my Scrooges? Who's my Grinches? Anybody? You're the Grinches that's not going to do there? Everybody just stretch your hands out to the Scrooges. and I'm just We'll pray for them in Jesus' name. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it, it's always interesting, right? Because you, you find that you find folks that just love it. And you find folks that are like, yeah, it's just another day. And uh, all of the stuff uh, that goes on. Um, but I just wanted us to remember this year that what we're celebrating, and I know we all have heard the cliche that Jesus is the reason for the season. And I would agree with that. But I really want to encourage you, what you're celebrating this year, this week, is that you are at peace with God. Whether you know it or not, whether you've put your faith and believed in it or not, it still doesn't change the reality, whether you understand it or not, you sit at peace with God. Right. Again, I told a little bit last time we were together of the story, and it was one of my favorite. You can still look at him. There was a Japanese soldier that for 30 years continued to fight World War II. It wasn't until the mid to late 70s that finally they were able to convince him the war was actually over. You know, many, many people, that's how they live their life today. Still believing and still living like God wasn't at peace with mankind, right? Still thinking that God was angry and hostile and mad. And, and, and just again, for a spoiler, remember this, God was never mad at people. Right. He was always mad at the effect of sin in people's lives, even in the Old Testament. Because I know that's one of the big uh, skeptic things. Well, what about the God of the Old Testament? Is he different than the God of the New Testament? No. God is the same God of love in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. And then we say, well, why did it look different then? It's because there was no Jesus. Mm-hmm. There was no one who made peace. And, and really, it wasn't God on, at war with men. It was God at war with sin. And that's a big difference. Which, had, which we had allowed to take over man. That's right, Selah. So man had let sin in and had put themselves under the dictatorial rule of sin. Right. So God's war was always against sin and sin's effects on the heart of men. He was never at war with men. It was only would people yield, just like today, will we yield or will we continue to fight a war that's already at peace? How many of you heard me tell that story? If you read it, that sounds a little ridiculous, right? Somebody, and again, this Japanese guy's in the jungle on this island, 30 years doing guerrilla warfare for a war that was over, right? Let us not be that way. Amen. Let us ourselves not be at war with something that God has already made peace with. So I want to unpack that a little bit more. So go again to... The famous Christmas story in Luke chapter 1. That's so awesome. That's so cool. 
You know what I love? Can I just, just a real raw, transparent moment with, with Brad? I just love, whoever smoked a cigarette just now, thank you very much. <laughs> For real. I, that was you? That's awesome, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it. In the sense of, the reason why I say that is, is everybody take a deep breath. Amen. That's what church should smell like. <laughs> yeah, it should, buddy. Because people should be comfortable. You know, I, I'll say that jokingly for years. I always said, you know, one, as I knew what God was calling me to pastor, remember I've said that, I said, how can you put a smoking section back in church? <laughs> you know, because I always felt bad for people who had to go outside in the cold or the rain to smoke. I wouldn't have done it until you made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's awesome. But I just, I just, I'm, I'm sorry, this kind of hit me in that smell. And I thought, awesome, we, have, we finally got church. This is great. I love this. This is amazing. Amen. Please. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. I didn't mean to highlight you. didn't mean to pick you out. It just truly makes me happy. You know, give, can I say that really clear? That, um, and well, well, let's go there. Man, I get all off track. Um, we might get back to Luke. Go to Matthew. I'm going to try not to, brother. In Matthew chapter 5, we'll get here today. I do have to lay a little bit of groundwork. But this is the verse that's been with me all week. It was with me when I got up early this morning. Here we know this as the famous uh, Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus went through and he said things like, Blessed are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. And verse 9 is the one that's been with me now for days. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are, and that word blessed, you know, I know it shows up on pillows. It shows up on all this kind of stuff. And here's, I love it. Here's what the, the Greek word actually means for that word blessed. It, it means happy, supremely blessed, a condition in which congratulations are in order. But I love that first one, happy. You know, anybody looking for happiness? You know, the world around us is looking for happiness, right? So it says here, well, happy are those who make peace. Mm -hmm. Happiness is found in being a peacemaker, right? That's why I love the smell that I smelled just now, mm -hmm. right? Because we have an opportunity always to be in a world that needs to hear that peace has been made. And I get to be, and you get to be, if you believe, you get to be a broker of that peace. You get to be one that makes peace with other people. Right? And happiness is found in learning how to be a peacemaker. You were not called of God to be a peacekeeper. You ever heard that? You know, people get in a fight, mm -hmm. right? Or people getting into some hostilities. I just want to keep the peace, right? Anybody, anybody ever said that? I just, I just, I just going to keep the peace. You know what normally happens when people say that? Somebody's still pissed, right? I mean, somebody's still upset, right? Somebody's still mad, right? Somebody's still upset, right? So they're not actually keeping peace. They're keeping a grudge, 
Listen to me. You can't keep peace. You can only make peace. That's why peacekeeping forces in the world, it never really turns out well. Right? We send armies and, oh, those are UN peacekeepers. Where do they send them? In places where there's still fighting going on. You know why there's still fighting going on? Because they're trying to keep something you have to make. Peace cannot be kept, it must be made. That's why you and I, under the law, we couldn't keep peace with God in our own effort. We couldn't obey a set of rules. We couldn't do the right thing or not do the wrong thing and keep peace with God. Peace had to be made. Right? He had to come and he had to make peace and then give what he made to us so that then we could go forth into our life and make peace. Does that make sense? Right. So let's, let's look at that. Back up to Luke, where, we, where I told you. And Holy Spirit, help me with this. But it says this, again, very famous. I'll read it just because it's the Sunday before Christmas. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel of the Lord said unto them, I love that, do not be afraid. Can I just stop right there? You know, do you realize that that you're going to show up in people's lives and they're going to be afraid? Have you ever, it's funny, I don't know why this has turned into a different service already, I can tell. I I love being a, a pastor because it's, it's comical. Can I just be, it's comical to me because I'll be hanging out and people will be swearing and cussing and doing all kinds of stuff. And I told you about the time I rode in a truck with a guy and he was telling you about his new stripper girlfriend uh, and, and telling me all this stuff. And I'm just there until he turns around and goes, so Brad, what do you do? Right? I said, well, I, I'm a pastor. And then all of a sudden people get really afraid. <laughs> Because they start backing up and crawfishing and apologizing all over themselves. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. And, I said, and you have to say, hey, don't be afraid. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll show up in people's lives and at times they might act afraid. We need to be as smart as the angels and say, hey, listen, don't be afraid. There's no reason for fear. You don't need to fear the God in me. You don't need to fear God himself. There's no reason for fear because there's peace, right? If, if unbelievers, if what we would call sinners are not at peace with you, then you're probably not declaring to them the gospel the good news. or the good news, right? You're declaring, you're declaring religion. You're declaring something else, right? Because when God shows up, he brings with him peace. Right? And I love that. It means a tranquility of heart and mind. A state of individual and national peace. Right? And so we come and we bring with us an atmosphere of peace. Mm -hmm. Amen? So, it says, don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, it says, there was an angel 
with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God. And they said, and read it out loud with me, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. I love that, that the declaration, the first thing that was declared when Jesus was born was peace is now here. And again, notice it's not peace among men. This was not a Jesus declaring there will now be peace between nations. Because how many of you know there's not that? No, that's right. Right? How many of you know that he wasn't saying there'll be peace among people? Right? Because how many of you know some folks? That's one reason why some people don't like the holidays. Mm-hmm. Because those people are going to come to your house. You know who those people are. <laughs> those people. Those people. They, they typically got your last name. <laughs> and, and you only got to see them this time every year. Right? Right? And those people show up. Right? Or whoever. Or they bring. Or somebody with your last name brings that person. One of those people. <laughs> Well, you know, they got to bring them. You might even say, well, is, is your so-and-so coming? <sighs> got to brace myself for the so-and-so tell who's coming. Now tell them if they'll behave, they can come. Come on now. We all got those, right? We got, all got those people. <laughs> uh, the parent, I mean, it could be all kinds of stuff, right? But here's the thing, right? God didn't say they would peace, be peace that way. The declaration was peace between him and mankind. That was the declaration of peace. The declaration of the angels was, is because of this baby, because of Jesus, God made flesh, because he is present, because he is here, because he is alive, because he is present now, there is peace. Hallelujah. And I love that goodwill, just in case you had to throw that in there too. Don't you love that? God loves double dipping. Aren't you glad? Peace would have been enough, right? Praise God. We're at peace with God. But God's, hey, listen, it's not just peace. It's also goodwill, which means that God, it, it's that thing, that difference between, okay, I'm at peace with you, but I'm tolerating you, right? We all have those people, right? Well, I, I've made peace with so-and-so, but I just put up with them. I just talk. Come on. Y'all can see them. You're going to see him this week, right? I'm good. <laughs> and I'm at peace. I'm just tolerating that person. Well, no, God doesn't talk. He says, no, no, no. This is peace and good will. This is peace and a benevolent heart. This is peace and. Now, can I just meddle with you just a little bit? Because I, I get to be your pastor and meddle with you. If you really want to take a good step spiritually, whoever that person is, give them a nice present. <laughs> Spend more money than you would have. Come on now, I'm just being real practical with you. And, and it, how, do, well, how do I know it's enough? It's, it's when your little hand trembles <laughs> when, when you're about to buy that gift, right? When you're like going, I'm about, I'm, I'm about to buy that person, right? <laughs> hey, man, it'll, it'll help set you free. It really will, because that's goodwill. Peace and goodwill toward men. Hallelujah. Because aren't you glad that was what God did with us, right? Aren't you glad God's hand didn't tremble mm-hmm. when he gave us healing? Mm-hmm. Aren't you glad his hand didn't tremble when he said, I'll be made poor so you could be made rich? Mm-hmm. I love what, what Paul says at the end of Romans chapter 8 when he says, 
How shall he who did not spare his own son, but offered him up for us all, how shall he not also with this same son freely give you all things? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that good? He said, that's goodwill. And his hand never trembled. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't grudging. Mm -hmm. That was goodwill. Mm -hmm. See, this Christmas, what you're celebrating is there's peace and goodwill toward you from God. For whoever needs to hear this, God's not here to hurt you. Right? God is not here to punish you. Now, he may be endeavoring to correct you, right? But it's not abusive, right? Did you hear me? God's desire for you is only good. God's heart for you is a bright and pleasant future filled with hope. That's his heart towards you. Right. That's why he came. That's why we celebrate. Amen. Does that make sense? Go with me to look at this because and and help me keep track of time, please, because I know people got things to go to Mm -hmm. 1130. When I get to about a quarter to help me land the plane and we'll go from there. Does that sound good? Mm -hmm. And um, because I know folks have got activities to go to and family functions the day before or the, the Sunday before Christmas. So I know that uh, I don't do this often, but I know that the short winded. Uh, will be heard again, right? And so, <laughs> um, which I'm not famous being short-winded. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Just want to establish this some more because I do want to take some time, whether it's today or next Sunday, I want to talk about what being a peacemaker looks like because there's some great instruction from Scripture that shows us and describes to us what it looks like to be one who knows how to make peace. Because I want to inspire us as we get into a new year and that for this whole next year, that you see yourself as a peacemaker in your world. That one of, again, I was reading some commentary from my Bible here on it again this morning, and I loved what uh, one of the writers said. He said, you know, being a peacemaker is both your birthright and your birth assignment, Mm. talking about the new birth. So part of your birthright as a a believer Mm. is that you get the privilege of being a peacemaker. But it's also the very first assignment you get when you're born again, right? It's the very first part of what we would call the plan of God or the will of God for our lives is he makes us a peacemaker, right? Can I tell that quick? Sure, please, yeah, tell, tell a quick story. So um, my mother was the first one in our entire family that was saved, and um, I grew up in Guatemala, so if you don't know, uh, in Guatemala, they're mainly Catholic, but our family was just kind of um, nominally Catholic. So Christmas and Easter, that's when you went to stuff or things like that. So in our family, there were a lot of, um, not feuds necessarily, but there was a little bit of resentment running deep within my mom and her sisters-in-law, my aunties. And my grandmother, and I mean, guys, 
we know how to do drama. You've seen telenovelas, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's, re- it's the real thing. So, so then when my mom became saved, when she found the Lord, um, the first thing that was in her heart to do was go apologize to my, my aunties, her sisters-in-law. And they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. They were just like, what are you, what, who are you? But that was literally the first thing that came mm, from her good. to do, right? And so because she did that, it changed the family dynamics so much that then they, if, if I remember correctly, mind you, I was a kid. But what I remember is then they started apologizing to grandma. Grandma started apologizing back, which was unheard of. She was a very strong-willed woman. And it just it completely changed mm. the dynamic of our family. And a couple years down the road... One of my uncles got saved and his wife, and he found, you know, he found a Christian wife. And then down, down, down the road a little longer, and then my other, um, my grandmother got saved, and then my grandfather, and then my other uncle with the other auntie. They, they were the last ones to come to the Lord not too long ago, actually. But the whole family is now in the Lord, in the Word, walking in His ways, because someone, when they first got saved, made peace very good so i just want oh that's awesome babe again you were saying that saying they you know i encourage you again just whoever might need to hear this you know a, a great gift to give this year won't cost you a dime mm-hmm. it's forgiveness mm-hmm. truly is a, a great christmas present to give is forgiveness mm-hmm. because it was the original gift that was given mm-hmm. right he gave it first as or to seek forgiveness if you're the offender, right? <laughs> I mean, can I meddle just a little bit? Yeah, you understand that, right? Um, you know, we talk about that many times about uh, not being offended. How many of you ever heard a good message by a pastor talk about, you know, how to be free from offense? Anybody heard one of those messages before? You know, I always kind of, I, they're great messages. I've heard a ton of them. We need to hear them. But I always go, you know, we should teach a sermon too called Don't Be the Offender. You know, <laughs> you know, and and normally, like the joke says, and and if you don't know who that is, and it's, it's probably you, right? I mean, if it's you know, if you look around and go, I got nobody to forgive, then that might mean you might be the problem, right? I mean, <laughs> and so you might need to go ask for some forgiveness and stuff. So either way will work just real good. Uh, but it's a great thing to give, right? It truly is a great thing to give because it's what this whole season is about. Right, Because what was given was peace. What was given was forgiveness. What was given was goodwill. Right, That's why we do what we do. Amen. But here, just to continue to lay a foundation here. Go to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at verse 11. There's a lot you could read through here, but I'll pick up. It says, Therefore, remember... That you were once a Gentile in the flesh. And just for those who don't mind, I know what that is. You know, the Bible talks about Jews and Gentiles. The Jews were simply people who were in the descendancy of Abraham. And the Gentiles was everybody else. Everybody. 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 Everywhere. So most of us here in this room, we would have been biblically labeled a Gentile. Because unless we have any Jewish people here, anybody know that you're Jewish? Anybody else fellow Gentiles like me? Right. A, a great way for us to read it that makes sense is remember that you once were an unbeliever. 
right? Remember at one time you didn't believe in Jesus. Remember there was a time that you, as Paul said in Romans, you made yourself God's enemy. I love the fact that Paul never said God made himself our enemy. He said of himself, when I made myself God's enemy, that's when he came. That's when he died. That's when he rescued me. Right? Isn't that awesome? Amen. So remember, there was a time when we didn't believe and you were called the uncircumcision or someone that didn't have a promise by what is called the circumcision or the Jewish people or people who had a promise made in the flesh. That at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel or from the kingdom of God and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world, right? But now, I mean, if you're a believer, if you've accepted Jesus, you can say out loud with me, you can say, but now. now. Go ahead and say it, say, but now. But now. I'm say, but now. But now now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself, speaking of Christ, is our peace. I love that. Jesus himself is our peace who has made both one and has taken down the middle wall of separation. And what Paul's talking about here is that separation between Jew and Gentile. He says, through Christ, Jesus said, we're now all the same. There are no more special people. There are no more special races. There are no more special ethnic groups. There are no more people who are my faith. Now, all of us, because of Jesus, there is peace And we have all been brought into the unity. Amen. If you run over to Colossians chapter 2. Here, I'm just going to read a lot of scripture over the next coming weeks because I want you to see this. Colossians chapter 2, we'll pick up in verse 19. And again, Paul, same author writing to a different group of people. He says, for it pleased the Father. Again, we've said this last week. I got to stop every time. It pleased God. Right? It pleased God to come as Jesus. Mm -hmm. Aren't you glad about that? Again, he didn't do it grudgingly. He didn't know. Yeah, he didn't say it like that. So we said jokingly last week, right? He didn't go, I guess so. If I got to, I'll go down there and die for these people. Don't want to. But I guess I'm the only one that can. <sighs> right? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't come that way? Yes. Again, it, it, it's, it's Christmas, right? We all have those. We, we can relate to it at Christmas. We also have that, that same person, right? Remember the guy I told you or the gal I told you about? If you really want to help your heart, you'll just kind of get a little bit bigger gift. You want to help your heart a little bit more, get it happy. Because, <laughs> right, we all, we all got those people we got to buy. It's normally the same person that we're buying gifts for. And you're like, we got to get so-and-so a present. And now it's got to be a better present. <sighs> now Brad said it's got to be a little bit more money I wanted to spend. <sighs> <sighs> Wish I'd have stayed home this morning. <laughs> Christmas and stuff. Right. Right, so aren't you glad that, that Jesus didn't come that way? 
Right? It pleased him. It pleased Father God. They were happy to do it. They were eager to do it. They were willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Amen, right? Amen. I'm in Colossians chapter 2 still, somewhere in here. In verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, all the fullness, meaning the fullness of God, should dwell, and that by him to reconcile all things to himself, and by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Colossians chapter 2. No, 1. I'm sorry. Colossians chapter 1. That's my fault. I apologize. I'm not there. Hey, that's my first mistake right now. Well, I appreciate that. You're going to give me some forgiveness. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, and Alicia, you're referring to that. And when when Jesus made, how did he make peace? Very good. No, and I and again, and that's a, that's a good point. You know, how many of you been told in your life you got to keep the Ten Commandments? Anybody been told that before? Anybody ever been told you got to keep the commandments of God? Right? Uh, did you know that was never the point of the exercise? Right. Now, God did say, keep them, but it was more like, like this. Hey, try to do this without me. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> try to do this without me in your life and get back with me. Tell me how that goes. Yes. They do. The many people. Hey, you don't have to be raised Catholic, brother. I got some Baptist folk in here. It was the same... <laughs> Right, I got some. I got some Pentecostal folk. How many Pentecostal folk? You probably were beat up more than the Baptists were, right? I mean, because the Pentecostals seem to be some of the most legalistic folk I ever run into, right? We all have flavors. Listen to me. Um, the most dangerous and deadliest sin of all, right? And I'll just do for shock value, right? Right. The most dangerous sin of all is not homosexuality or a sexual sin. Paul told us what the highest and chief sin is. Mm -hmm. He said it's Mm self-righteousness. That's right. Right? If you read through Paul's life, Paul talked about, he said, hey, I was born to the right people group. I was a Jew. I was born to the right tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. I was born to the right family. I had the right ceremony done on the right day at the right time. I joined the right sect of Judaism, the Pharisees. And in that, I became the best of all of them. And then Paul of his own volition says, and when it came to the law, I was perfect. That's pretty bold. Paul actually said of himself, I kept it. Does that make sense? And he says very after this, but I am the chief of all sinners. But he was not talking about the fact that he killed and murdered Christians. He admitted to it, but he said, I did that innocently. I thought I was helping God out. Mm-hmm. Paul later goes on to tell us, he says, but my sin, the sin that made me the chief of all sinners is the sin of self-righteousness. Because I believed I could make myself right without God. I could do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Guys, every form of religion be it from paganism to humanism, 
doesn't matter whichever one it is. Every form of religion is the same thing. Somehow we're trying to make ourselves right with God without him. I told you the funny story. It's one of my favorite stories that God allowed me to experience, but we're living in Canada, right? And so we're there and, and I got a church member who's got a tenant in his apartment and he's got to kick the tenant out because the tenant's way past due on the rent. So under Canadian law, for those who don't know us very well, we lived in Canada for 10 years. Under Canadian law, the landlord had to bring a witness with him before he could evict the person. So he comes to me, his pastor, and says, hey, Brad, I got to evict so-and-so from the apartment. Will you go with me as my witness? And maybe we'll get a chance to share Jesus with him. I said, well, sure. I've never evicted nobody before. Let's go do this. Let's, uh, and so we show up and this guy's there and he starts and I, and I, y'all know me a little bit better, but me being me, right? He comes up and we're talking and he says, well, you know, I'm, I'm a humanist. I am my own God. And I couldn't help myself. I, and I, and they, I, I, I couldn't, it just came out, right? It just, just comes out. And I chuckled a little bit and I said, well, how's that going, God? We're here to evict you. Right, right. How's that working out for you there, buddy? I mean, you get to be your own God and, and you're getting kicked out. And so we started talking and him and I were going back and forth on some stuff. And, and the Holy Spirit, he inspired me to say this. I looked at him and said, all right, so you've told me now you're your own God. He said, yes. I said, awesome. I said, so as your own God, you get to make up your own rules. And he said, well, yeah, that's right. I get to make up my own rules. I said, man, that's a sweet deal. I said, now answer this question. How good are you at keeping the rules you made? And he chuckled and said, you know, not very good. I said, now listen to yourself. You've told me you get to be your own God. You've told me you get to make up your own rules. And you can't even keep the rules you make. That tells me there's something going on in your heart that goes on in every human's heart because we can't make ourselves right. We can't keep peace. Right? Peace had to have been made for us. Does that make sense? And that's what Paul is saying. And so what Alicia was pointing out that I didn't get to in Ephesians is Paul talks about how that how Jesus, one of the ways Jesus made peace is that it says he took the righteous requirement of the law and nailed it to the cross. Meaning that this whole understanding that of anything could be done and you could try to make yourself right, Jesus took it out of the way. A better way, I like to say it more like this, if, and I speak to those of you who are in our church family and that will be talking to people, is you just need to tell people Jesus just took away all your sin. Right? Because there's sins, right? There are sins that we look at that are there of like, what do we call them? They're sins of commission, right? You know, we jokingly say, don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls that do, right? It's a joke. You can laugh at any time, right? You know, <laughs> you know we, we, we talk about there's these things, we, but there's all kinds of this stuff we call sin. Whatever it is, Jesus took it out of the way. If no one's ever told you before, Jesus freed you from all your sin. He took all sin, whatever that might be, whatever you could define it as, whatever it could look like, Jesus took it away from you, took it upon himself. We'll read it here in just a minute. He actually was made your sin. 
right? That's how he, how did he make peace is he became your offense. He, through, the, through an act of, of his divine power, if you will, and through this work, he became what he wasn't. He was pure. He was sin free. But when he went willingly and obediently to the cross and he laid down his life, and, and you'll hear me, not just for you, when he laid down his life as you. And he says, in that moment, he took all of your sin and it made that himself so that you then could be made all of his righteousness. Hallelujah. Right. How right with God is Jesus? How right is God with Jesus? He's his son. Pretty good, right? Think God, Jesus, they're kind of tight. Would y'all say that? Kind of close. Right, you, you you think Jesus has problems getting close to God and talking and being or right, and that's what. So you understand that's what He gave you, the same degree of rightness that Jesus has. Whatever you can imagine, how right with God Jesus is. That's how right with God you are if you'll believe in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Huh. Oh, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself, right? For you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. He has reconciled you to God. Right? To present you. I love this. To present you. Everybody say to present me. me. So you see what? So Jesus then, he makes peace through the blood of his cross. How does he do that? Easy. He now presents you as holy and blameless. Amen. And above reproach in his sight. Those who believe. Isn't that awesome? Why don't you try that out loud? I told you joking, this was the first argument Selena and I ever had was over these verses when we were in Bible school together. Amen. So say this. Say, Jesus, Jesus presents me presents to himself as holy, as blameless, as above reproach. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that awesome? Amen. You are holy. You are blameless. You are, bro- he says, if indeed you continue in the faith. That's the only, if you will, condition. It's not a condition of works. He didn't say if you're a good little boy or girl. He doesn't say if you go to church every Sunday. Right. He doesn't say if you pray or if you read your Bible. Right. Again, well, I love talking to people here in the South again. I was born around those who don't know me. I was born here, but I lived outside of here for about 20 years from about the time I was 22 ish to about the time I was 42 ish, three ish, somewhere in there. I lived outside of the country. And I came back home, and I'm like, man, this place is weird. <laughs> this is not the place I remember. Okay? And so, and, and I realized there's nothing happened here. It was me, right? I, I got really changed, and just everything looked different, right? And so um, part of the part that was weird for me is I talked to people, and I'd say, because I had developed a habit, I encourage you to develop the same habit uh, when you want to talk to people about Jesus, 
kind of, I start like this. I say, hey, how's your, how's your God journey going? Or if I meet somebody for the first time, and I don't normally like lead with this one, I let there be a little bit of shooting the bull happen. You know what I mean? But I might look at you and go, hey, so what's your God story? Tell me about you and God. And it's so funny. You know why this place got weird? Is people start going, well, you know, I don't really go to church. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I didn't ask you about going to church. Mm-hmm. I asked you about how's your God story. See, that's, that, that tells us, that's telling for us as believers. Because yeah. people think, oh, it's about what I do. Mm-hmm. Right? And you got to shift people away from what they're doing to what do they believe. Yeah. Right? And here it says this, it says, If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. And I love it. And it says, and for times like you look at it, Romans chapter 10, verse 15, Paul calls it the gospel of peace. Many of you good church folk could re- finish that verse for me if I started it in Romans 10, 15, right? How beautiful of them who, who preach good news, who bring about the gospel of peace, right? So Paul calls the gospel the gospel of peace, which you have heard. Listen to, to, to my church family, those who I'm responsible for, who you are in your soul and your development, right? If people can't say that what you're telling them is a gospel of peace, you're not preaching the right gospel. Right? If people listen to you and they think it's a gospel of war or of works or of doing, then we haven't preached the gospel yet. Right, Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of peace. Amen. Now, Audrey, you going to say that? You had your hand up. So do we become peacemakers by presenting each other as holy yes. to ourselves and to them? Yes, very good. So let me talk. So how do I, I'll, I'll start and we'll start into what we'll carry out in more detail next week. Yes. So how do I become a peacemaker or how am I a peacemaker? Number one, you have made peace with God yourself, mm-hmm. right? You want to know why a lot of evangelism doesn't work? Is, well, well, I'm not preaching the gospel on one side, that's true. But a lot of it is, is this, um, we are not satisfied customers of our own salvation, <laughs> right? We're just salesmen of a product we don't enjoy. Come on now, y'all look at me, y'all kind of funny, right? Come on, how many of you met those salespeople that are going to sell you something? I'm going to pick on Selena just a little bit. I know she does multi-level stuff, and I love it, and it's good. So this is not in any way contrary. Okay? I don't know if they're going to keep peace here. She's going to take her ears, going for the earrings right now. Right, but we've all met those people, not my wife. Not, we take everything she sells, we take. That's what the thing, so I probably, and so, but, um, but y'all met those multi-level people before, right? Right, and, and they're peddling stuff that they ain't even using. Come on, right? Does that make sense? You know, they're salesmen, but they're not satisfied customers. But you know, a satisfied customer, right? You don't even have to pay them to sell stuff. How many of you, you've eaten somewhere really nice recently? Anybody eaten at a good restaurant recently? Where'd y'all eat? Miss Whitney, where'd you eat? Francesco's very cool. Is it good? Would you recommend it? What'd you eat? 
Pizza. Would you eat it again? Very good. Right? Did you tell anybody afterwards it was really good? There you go. See, did you, did you have to struggle doing that? Did you have to go into intercessory prayer? You, you know what I mean? And I'm going to pray about, Lord, should I tell my boss about this pizza? Should, should I, Lord? Should I do that? I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to false. I, I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know what kind of sauce they used. I don't know. No, you, you just ate it and you were like, dang, that was good. And you went and told somebody, dang, that was good. Right? Does that make sense? Because you're a satisfied customer. Guys, listen to me. Many Christians, many believers, they're not satisfied with the peace that they have. And many of times because they don't know they've got it. Amen. They're like that, that Japanese soldier. They're still held up trying to keep the law, trying to do all the right stuff, trying to make sure their, their behavior is worthy. Mm-hmm. Right? But I have found, right, when you are a satisfied customer, if you will, when you have, just a scripture, when you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And not good in general, but he's good to you. Mm-hmm. And you've tasted and you've experienced his goodness to you. Right? And then really evangelism is not a problem. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why normally if you're helping people, and I've found this when I run into believers and they struggle with evangelism, I don't start with trying to tell them what the gospel is. I start with how do I... If you will, how do I get them saved again? Quote, unquote. Because somewhere along the way, they quit tasting the goodness of God. You, you have to be satisfied with the peace of God first. Do you know you're at peace? Right? Can, can I share a, little, share a little bit of our story? Right, Audra? So many of you don't know. I mean, this is my daughter, Audra, here. She's with us. Um, again, I always... Uh, to my discredit, I abandoned her when I was young. And I was never part of her life until uh, she was 20 years old. Right? Never was. Um, I actually say I, uh, I was about 17 when, when you were born. And, um, but at 19, I really got saved. Now, y'all heard me say this before. When I was six, I had fire insurance because I didn't want to go to hell. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? I don't know if you're here. If, if all you got is fire insurance, hey, the policy is real good, but you won't have a satisfied life just living on fire insurance. If all you're trying to do is miss hell, you'll probably miss it, but you won't enjoy life. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But one day when I was 19 on a Sunday night at Cathedral of the Cross, the, the altar bench just left of center, right-hand side, I went down after Pastor Mark preached, and I, and I knelt down, and I said, okay, Lord, no more playing. I said, now today, you're my God. You're not just the God of my parents. You're not just the God I grew up with. But today, mm-hmm. you're Lord and your Savior. And that day, I went from fire insurance to following. And when my heart went to following Jesus, I can't tell you any other way than I call it I had a heart transplant. 
Because I knelt down that day and I was studying to become one of two things. I was, my kid, I don't even know if I told my kids this. We've been watching, I watched that new thing with Will Smith on the National Geographic thing called The Earth, Welcome to Earth or whatever. Great show. I love, that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to be a National Geographic videographer or a marine biologist, one of the two. I was shooting more towards the videographer thing. Because I thought, how schmick would that be to travel around the world and to film stuff and do stuff? And I grew up loving documentaries and all the kind of stuff. And that's where I was walking. That's what I was studying for. That was the path I had laid before myself. And that night, literally, Psalms chapter 37, verse 4 happened, is that God became my delight. And when I stood up, I had a different desire. And it was instant. And from that moment moving forward... From that moment moving forward, all I wanted to do is what you see me do right now. That's it. All that, from that time moving forward, I, I would literally, I kind of put up with life and saw how fast I could get back to the church. And just, I did anything they'd let me do. <laughs> and just hung out, right? Like some of us might hang out at Starbucks. I hung out at Cathedral of the Cross, <laughs> right? And walked around and did all this stuff. Does that make sense? And then, but all along the way, I got more and more satisfied with my salvation. Right? But back to what I was saying with, with Audra and I, is when I met Audra and stuff, you remember the first conversation I looked at you, I said, now listen, I, I'm so sorry I wasn't there and I should have been. And I don't know how to tell you this any other way than to tell you, but I'm not ashamed nor am I guilty. Not saying that what I did was right. It wasn't. And I still, to this day, periodically look and say, I'm so sorry I should have been there. So sorry. I sh you, you deserved to have me in your life. You deserved, not because I'm awesome, but just because I'm your dad and you deserved it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But I'm not guilty. And I mean that, and I'm not shamed mm -hmm. because I've been freed from that. Mm -hmm. See, that, that's part of this piece, Right? Is that I can stand and I can openly say that was my sin. I was a promiscuous, fornicating, porn watching, good old southern boy. That's who I was. Even with fire insurance. That was me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen. Can I just, and I don't mean any disrespect to my wife. That I went to many church services seeking skirt, not savior. Come on, can I just be honest? Because it's about time we get... There's things, that was who I was. But this is who I am. I'm a favored child of God. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. It is, it, you're absolutely. It's a form of self-righteousness. How many of y'all grew up, many of y'all who grew up in church, how many of you grew up in church and you, went, you did something wrong and there was like this unspoken obligatory period of time you were supposed to feel bad? Come on now, <laughs> right? Some people always like, you know, I had to feel bad for like at least three or four days. And after like three or four days, I could start to kind of let myself be okay with being all right. Yeah. That's self-righteousness. Because you have been freed from your sin. You have been freed not just of the consequences of your sin. 
You've been freed from the guilt and the shame of your sin. Does that make sense? In the fact that you can actually stand. I, I still, we, we, we laugh and stuff because uh, we'll bump into people that know Audra. And they knew that I was just the sorry, no good sucker. Right? Right? And, and, and we'll meet and Audra will, and this is my dad. And they'll turn and you'll see, you'll see it on their face. And they're like going, I'm not supposed to like you. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You know, you're, you're that guy. Right? And, and I can, and here's what, again, here's what peace does. How are you a peacemaker? Because you can stick your hand out and say, hey, this is who I was. This is what I did. And, and it's a neat thing. It's just like what Paul did, right? If you remember what Paul did, Paul he said, I am the chief of all sinners. And he was able to say, I, I murdered the church and I was a self-righteous son of a gun. But by the grace of God, he then flipped. I'm now the apostle of the apostles. I mean, I, and, then go, and if you read Paul, just read this stuff. And I'm even a better apostle than the 11 that walked with Jesus. <laughs> and that's what he says. Yeah. Right? He says, I'm, just, I'm the chief apostle. I went from chief sinner to I'm now the chief apostle. And you read this, and you're not going, well, he ain't schizophrenic. But see, peace will let you live very aware of what you did. Very conscious of, yeah, that's what I did. Those were my sins. That was my misgivings. And I can, I can live in them, but I don't live under them anymore. I can live with them in the timeline of my life, but I'm no longer under their influence. I'm not on, no longer under the influence of their temptation, nor am I under the influence of their condemnation. Amen. Some of y'all need to write that down because that's all Holy Ghost. I've never said that ever before in my life. Right? That, that, that peace with God lets you live understanding that this was what my sin was, but I now no, lo no longer live under the influence of its temptation nor of its condemnation because peace has been made. So I can go anywhere and people can know me for who I was or who they thought I was, and then they can meet me now and both of me can stand there and say, yeah, that's the old me, this is the new me. That one was really bad. That one was a sorry, no good sucker. And I wish I could change it. But you should see me now. And I love what Audra says. And Audra still says, Dad, I think hello is just fine. Right? You can just say. And I don't, but she's looking at stuff. But some of this stuff too, though, I just to let y'all know, it's what I want to do for the gospel's sake. Mm -hmm. Amen. So here, and I'll land the plane because we're, we're over. Hope this has been helpful. But what does it look like to be a peacemaker? Number one, first of all, have you made peace with God? Have you initially believed and received the peace that he did for you? Part of that then as a believer, are you living in the reality of that peace? Are you enjoying that peace? Part of what I just tried to share was I, I enjoy the peace that I live in now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Because I'm at peace with God. 
I mean, again, I'll borrow from uh, Pastor Frank Manchin, who's passed away. I, I mean, I'm, I'm God's favorite. But guess what? So are you. <laughs> and, and, and you should say that. You should, you know, I'm God's favorite kid. Now, I'd be careful with that. It, it rubs people's cat backwards. So don't, don't. Pastor Frank used it a little too liberally and people didn't understand him. But, but he wasn't wrong. You can sit back and say, I'm God's favorite kid. He loves me so much. He just thinks I'm wonderful. He just can't help himself but do good for me. He just can't help. He just, you know what? He is so pleased with me that he just shines on me all the time. So does it. He does that with you too. It's not because it's exclusive to me. It's for all of us. Come here. I need to just say amen. Why don't you try that out loud? Just say out loud. Say, I'm God's favorite kid. Go on. Favorite kid. Say say, I say, I'm God's favorite kid. He just likes me. Come on, you just need to say that. Say, God just likes me. Amen. Some of y'all look so, look like, but hey, you said, some of y'all look like a cow at a new gate. Right? <laughs> Standard, don't know what to do. Anyway, so here we go. What does being a peacemaker realize or look like? Here is our message. Here is the message of peace. Here is the gospel of peace. It says this, and, and for so much in there, in, ver, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul says, Therefore, from now on, everybody say, from now on, we regard no one according to their old fleshy nature ever again. You go ahead and you can say it. That's good for you to say it. I regard no one according to their old flesh nature ever again. We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we now know him this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. That is this. And I'm going to read it from a different translation. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. Here is the message of reconciliation. Here is the gospel of peace. This should come out of every believer's mouth as often as humanly possible for themselves and for anybody in their world that will stand still long enough to hear it. Right? That it was God. This is the message. That it was God personally present in Christ Jesus reconciling and restoring the world back into favor with himself, not counting up or holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing unto us the message of this restoration of favor. So we now are Christ's ambassadors. Remember we said last week, what is an ambassador? It's a peacemaker. We are now Christ's peacemakers. God making his appeal as it were through us. We then as Christ's personal representatives beg you for his sake to lay hold of this divine favor that is now offered to you and you be reconciled to God. You know, uh, on Thursday night we were here and those of you who were here did y'all see me struggle? 
Anybody notice that? That might know. Did y'all see me struggle? It was a weird for me uh, that on Thursday night because I there was something sat on me. I saw four people sitting in this room, and all night everything that came to my mind was for them, mm-hmm. and this verse kept playing over in me. Because as Christ peacemaker, that word beg there in the Spanish Bible, it's the Spanish word, it's called rogar. And, and literally what it means, and Michael, if I use you as an example, is it means this. It means will you grab them and beg them, please be reconciled to God. Please. And all night, I wish I, I probably should have just obeyed God and done that, and I apologize. Because that's, that's what it means to make peace. So that you'll see people in your world, and you have tasted the peace of God, and you sit at peace with Him, free from the temptation and the condemnation of your past, having experienced peace made by Christ. And it says, and now it's just like God was begging through you. And that's what it says. As Christ's ambassador, God now reaches out through your life and he grabs the ankles of the world around you. And through you, he pleads and implores and begs and tells the world, will you please just be reconciled to God? Would you please just come? Would you just please come and say, Lord, here I am. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to know how it works. You don't have to know the Bible. You don't have to go to any form of anything churchy. All you have to do is say, Lord, I believe. And Lord, I desire to be reconciled to you. If you're here today and you'd like to do that, would you raise your hand? Anybody here? I see you, brother. Amen. Anybody else like to be reconciled with God?